Hey there, everyone. Happy Thursday. And since it is the season, I'll go ahead and say it. Happy Halloween. Welcome to a special episode of Predetermined to Pro Wrestling Hangout. I'm your host with the most, Derek Halpin. And with me, as always, a man who is generous enough to let me intro this episode and have my own Halloween-themed takeover of this podcast, Garrett Callender. I mean, it just seems fitting. You're the Halloween hero. You're Halloween helping on Twitter. It just this this is your episode. This you is are, good branding. Oh, you are Mr. Halloween, and it doesn't make sense for you to not just take the reins on this one. Well, I appreciate I appreciate you letting me do this, and I think we've got a really fun episode for everyone, and uh, lots to talk about. So many matches we're going to be reviewing. A lot of them submitted by our listeners. And God, that's just been a big week in wrestling. There is a lot happening. We had the uh, NWA 70 show over the weekend. You had me watch one of the most fun fucking block of matches I've watched in a while. Yeah, we, I mean, we, when I came up with this idea for what we would watch for our Halloween episode, I thought we'll keep the theme of Halloween and we'll just do things that involve masks and gore and strange, bizarre gimmicks. And I really think that we kind of covered everything that you could imagine, but, uh, Garrett, I think it's time to hit our spooky ass music. Hey guys, uh, thanks for listening to the episode. We want to start at the top by reminding you, if you haven't already, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, give us those five stars, leave us a fine review, and also, if you haven't already, follow us on social media, at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram, at WrestleHangout on Facebook, at WrestleHangout on Twitter. When you leave a review, we do something special for you. Well, if you leave us a review, we do a lot of what we're doing in this episode. If you leave us a review and you tell us something that's pro wrestling related that you want us to watch, it can be a movie, it can be a match, it can be anything. As long as it relates to pro wrestling, we'll watch it. We'll talk about it on the show. That's our little way of saying thank you for leaving the review. Garrett, where do you want to start this episode? You had me watch six really fun matches. Thank you to you and the listeners. If this is the way wrestling was every week, this was just a delightful block of matches. Uh, it was a smorgasbord where do you of fun s- matches. Where do you want to start with? Do we start with gore, or do you want to start fun and work our way up to violence? I think we'll start somewhere in between. We had a, a listener by the name of Andrew Hendren who suggested a New Japan Pro Wrestling match from 1996 between Great Muda and Jushin Thunder Liger. This was a fun match, man. Everything about this was fun. I like that. I mean, since we're on the, the topic of Halloween and everything, you know, it's it's two costumed men in this fight. And Great Muda coming out to the ring looks like not really a like a universal Halloween Horror Nights character, but more like the Six Flags version. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. He's got, I mean, he, he's a scary skull. He's got a, a, what, like a silver dragon hanging off his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, he's got his face painted when he takes what he comes. He comes out in a mask. 
Oh, he's masked and then painted. He's masked and then I mean, it's it's just an appropriate match given the theme of the show. We got a guy in face paint. We got a guy wearing a mask. And you start this match off, and the first thing Muda does is press his finger to his throat and spits green mist into the air like he's a fucking geyser. He, he did a great job throughout this entire performance scaring the shit out of the crowd. He did. Uh, and, and, and the funny thing is that... We've talked about it before on the show about matches that take place in Japan with the you hear the Japanese women kind of screaming and stuff in the background. I mean, it really fit this match. It felt like it was a horror show. I mean, there were so many times that he would just like kind of fake out the front row and people would actually scatter. Yes, they would shriek and they would run off. I think my favorite thing about this match, and there's a couple other things I want to talk about for sure, but I want to make sure I don't forget this. My favorite spot in this match is there's a point where Muda goes up under the ring. <laughs> just disappears under the and ring. And just disappears, and Liger goes after him under the ring, and they take the camera, and they show you the chase up under the ring, and Muda disappears on the other side. He, he emerges, and he emerges with a fucking broom, and Liger um, finally reappears. He was under there for a way, yeah, like a way longer time. Liger was chasing Muda under the damn thing, and they both <laughs> have completely disappeared at this point. The ref is looking around confused. No one knows where these guys are coming out at. Yeah, so, so Liger reappears, and he promptly gets smacked in the face with a broomstick. And... Yeah. Muda yeah, did a heel, heelish thing that I don't think I've seen a lot of wrestlers do. And that was he was constantly fucking with the ring apron throughout this match. Yeah, it was really bizarre. It was like he was constantly searching for something under the ring. I guess he found it. I don't even know if he was looking for anything. I thought he was just fucking it up. Like just uh, kind of being an asshole. Just being destructive? <laughs> yeah, just being like, yeah, isn't, doesn't, this doesn't look visually pleasing, does it? Like that's, that's right a in hard game. <laughs> That's a heel tactic you don't see very often. Just them just fucking up the set. Just messing up things. Not not for the use of a weapon or anything. Just to mess with it. Well, maybe Liger has OCD. And he knew that was going to be the greatest tactic against him. Was to just slightly dishevel the ring apron. Well, it looked like it worked. Were you freaking out? Because I mean, there's a point in this match where Muda is ripping off Liger's mask. And he does it. Oh, and I was terrified because i realized oh my god i've i don't think i've ever seen liger's face before i'm does liger want me to see his face i felt a little dirty well you got your answer because technically you didn't see his bare face motherfucker pops up and is painted like muda he he's painted like muda and he goes into and then he starts ripping up his fucking tights which you know what immediately came to my mind was because remember there was some match we watched where Liger didn't have his shirt on and I didn't realize how ripped Liger was under that bodysuit and I was like holy fuck this is this is a handsome ripped man but in this he's like oh you want to take my clothes off it made me think of uh Freddie got fingered when he's like you want to fuck your daddy Gord come over here and fuck me <laughs> get over here Gord get over here and fuck me says Liger was he tatted up or was that body paint well, those were tats I right. I thought he just had extra body paint on because I don't remember him having tats recently when we saw him shirtless. I haven't seen enough nude Liger photos to know if that's just temporary, you know, makeup or, you know, permanent the, tats. The, the, the horns on his mask because Muda wanted to keep grabbing him and the ref was like, no, 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 no. You're not grabbing those <laughs> horns. Hands off the horns, bud. That That's too much. The broom's okay. 
I mean, there was some good stuff in this. I mean, even just wrestling wise, some hard hits too. He gave uh, Muda gave Liger that German or not a German, but a vertical suplex on the the ramp. Really hit with a thud. He also did the one of the spot. He charged up a clothesline. That ramp was really fucking long. And he made sure to go like all the way to the end of it and then run half a mile before clotheslining clotheslining <laughs> Liger. Did I, you <laughs> did you like the evil? Jushin Thunder Liger, like once he became Muda, he just, he had the chair out. He was really beating the shit out of him. I did. There was a spot where he was like on the top rope and he, he, he hit Muda in the face with the chair from a, with a jump from the top rope to the outside. Yeah. And he, he had a hell of a time getting a table in there at one point. He set that table up in the corner. Easiest I've ever seen a New Japan table break. <laughs> Usually takes a little bit more abuse. And then I guess, you know, fucking Muda breaks out the red mist at the end of the match. He ends up getting the W. Yeah, overall, this was just, it was, it was fun. It, you know, it was two, two costume monsters fighting each other in a, in a pretty cute match. Yeah, I mean, this definitely fit the theme. Muda ends up walking out with the win, but fun one. You should check it out. It's on YouTube. Uh, look, uh, I think it's New Japan Pro Wrestling. 1996, Great Muda, Jushin Thunder Liger. Got this match recommendation from one of our listeners, Andrew Hendren. Thank you, Andrew, for the uh, recommendation. Yeah, Andrew is really knocking it out of the park. He has, I think every match he has recommended us so far on this show, we have enjoyed a lot. So, Andrew, Andrew. your recommendations are welcome anytime around here. So, we really only covered the one New Japan match. I think we should take a moment to remind our listeners before we continue down our... uh, we have, we have a WCW section of this show. We really haven't talked a lot of WCW on, on this podcast. Dude, getting to go back... Because you and I were both WCW kids growing up. Yeah, we, that's how I got into pro wrestling was through WCW. I mean, we would watch both, but WCW was our main show. And I have not gone back and watched enough 90s WCW. Well, we watched several WCW matches before we do... Garrett, remind our listeners, Southern Underground Pro has another show coming up. You're going to it. There's some stuff going on. Tell the people what's happening down there in Nashville. All right, guys. We have another Southern Underground Pro show coming up here. And once again, Predetermined to Pro Wrestling Hangout is sponsoring this event. The show, it's November 4th down at Basement East here in Nashville. Show's at 2 o'clock. I want to say it's 15 bucks to get in. It'll be money well spent. Marco Stunt, he's our champ now. The, uh, oh, and this blew my mind. The uh, Bone Storm Championship. I always thought that was a weird name for... God damn it. Just so you know what that sound was, because I'm going to leave that in. Uh, I am talking to Derek through headphones, and my cat got really interested in the headphones and just pulled my phone and the cord off the table. Fucking quit it! Is that cat botching this show? You are, you are really fucking things up right now. Get away. This is garbage cat. <laughs> Let's t- like, no, fuck off. <laughs> he won't take no for an answer. I'm still petting the cat. I'm being nice to this cat. It's just being mean to me. November 4th, Southern Underground Pro, Basement East. I would have saying the Bone Storm Championship. Thought that was a weird name. Didn't realize came from Bone Storm, the game in The Simpsons. Really? That's what they based it off of? Yeah. Uh, Jesse, one of the guys who runs it, actually posted that the other day on Twitter. Made me love Southern Underground Pro even more. Nice, but uh, yeah, you know, ma- we're gonna get we're gonna get our buddy Craig Mitchell. You're gonna see him. I think he's in a three way match now. 
What else do we have? Marco Stunt with our Bone Storm champ going up against uh, Brett Ison. That he's gonna get killed. He is gonna get killed in front of our eyes. You called Craig Mitchell your buddy. Does that mean your Craig hate is kind of done and over with? Oh, don't don't think that it's done. <laughs> Never think my Craig hate is done. Anyway, maybe someday being, if he changes his attitude. If you were in the Nashville area, Garrett's been going to these Southern Underground Pro shows for months now. They keep getting better and better. Marco stunts the champ. Get out there and check it out. Garrett. Let's, let's hop back into this WCW. <laughs> let's talk some motherfucking WCW. This is my show now. Uh, I think we'll just go by year. Um, we had one of our, one of our loyal listeners and a, and a friend of the podcast, Joey Walker, had made the recommendation to us recently that we needed to check out some Dungeon of Doom stuff from WCW because that's how he remembers getting into wrestling. <laughs> Joey, I'm so sorry that this is how you got into wrestling. Um, I know I said I got into wrestling through WCW. That's how you got in. But when we got in, it was way cooler than what we watched, right? I mean, it's hard to say that this wasn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> WCW Uncensored 1996. It's it, the Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage against the Four Horsemen and the Dungeon of Doom in a handicap Doomsday Steel Cage match. Where do we begin? Well, <laughs> why? let's try and describe this structure first. Because structure. I don't think they knew what... One, they didn't know what this match was. They didn't yeah, know. I still don't know what it is. They, the announcers definitely didn't know the rules. So, okay, let's start out by just saying who all was in this damn thing. Okay, so we've got Hogan and Savage against Arn Anderson and Ric Flair, Ming and Barbarian, the Taskmaster and, ta task and Z-Gangsta, and... Um, Which Taskmaster is Kevin Sullivan, Z-Gangster was uh, Zeus. Yeah, I and the funny thing is the thing I know him from most is his prison guard role in The Dark Knight. I think a lot of us know him as Debo from Friday. <laughs> I, I'm not. A, I I feel like an ass now. You guys have a more significant. <laughs> you guys have a more significant relationship with him than I do. But then what? What the the grand? What is it? The Grand Solution, whose whose nickname was originally the Final Solution, but they realized that was too anti-Semitic. And Lex Luger. I mean, clearly the the intent of this match was to make, I don't know, fuck, I don't know, make Hogan and Savage look good. I was about to say that, and then I thought, I don't think anybody walked away from this looking good. Well, it ended up being fucking Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage fighting eight guys. <laughs> but, spoiler alert, they do end up winning the match if you're worried about what happens to Hogan and Savage. I guess we have to try to describe this fucking setting here, because this... This is like, what, a, is it a double or is it a triple tiered steel cage? Okay, so there is like the normal, like a little smaller than like the Hell in a Cell cage on top of a ring directly in front of the entrance ramp. Yeah. And then on top of that cage is a cage and then another cage. And all of these cages are sectioned off into little rooms with doors and trap doors that you have to pull up and go down into. Yeah. And there's and it's surrounded. It's got like scaffolding slash stair, like a staircase alongside it, so that you can conveniently get up and down if you get outside the cage. It's just I, yeah. The, well, the scaffolding seemed like it was for the camera crew, but and to lead them to the top to get in because they loaded Luger, <laughs> Luger and Flair 
and let's see, or was yeah, it was Luger, Flair, and Arn Anderson in the first tier, Meng and the Barbarian in the second, and then I guess all the other guys scattered throughout this fucking hell. I don't. I, it, it was hard to tell. You, I know for a fact the audience could not see what was happening in this cage because me watching on television, I could barely see. Well, fuck, when Dusty and, and Shivani are introducing the match before it starts, you can tell that they don't quite understand what they're about to watch. And if you, if you have the courage to pull this match up on the WWE Network, I do not expect you to sit through all this. It is, it is, for the most part, a completely boring match between a bunch of people who are either slow or old or both. And maybe... Maybe once you see the structure, you think, oh, that, something could have been done with this. And maybe it could have, but not with these guys. And the match is pretty brutal, but I guess the spectacle was there. Well, it was my understanding that they had to start at the top tier and pin somebody and then move down to the next tier. But, well, that, the, the, but at one point, Hogan goes to the ring and wrestles like the real, like the regular wrestling ring that's in the middle of the arena. This cage structure, this double top-bottom steel cage stru structure is, like, on the ramp. We have to explain this to you. It's a, a completely separate part of the arena. Yeah, there's another ring in this place. There are, <laughs> there are currently two rings set up. So we get them up the top. We get them in the cage. We start out with Hogan and Flair and Savage and those guys. You said we were talking about this earlier on Twitter, and you said you think maybe with different guys something could have been done with this, but this was the wrong set of old timers. Oh yeah. <laughs> to, uh, you know, they don't, there's, I don't know. They just, there wasn't enough creativity to actually use what they were doing. It looks like a terrifying adult McDonald's play place. If everyone understands that reference. Yeah. And have you then, ever been in a play place and then run, run into your uncle Arn? Yeah. Who's that's what that was scaring the shit out of you. <laughs> and you're around the corner and Meng is there too. Fuck this place. Like, this is a haunted house. <laughs> it, it is, and and it's terrifying. If, you, if you're able to watch all of this match like you did, God bless you. Because I, I skipped, like, I would watch 30 seconds, and I'd skip, like, two minutes, and then I'd watch 30 seconds and skip another couple minutes. And if, yeah, just, I mean, this was just a disaster. It's widely regarded as one of the worst matches of all time. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't, but I believe it because nothing <laughs> fucking happened. Like, it looked like they just abandoned the match partway through it. Because So Savage goes down. No, Hogan goes down the hole. They flip this thing open. They haven't beaten Flair Luger. I don't know if they think they're supposed to, but they're laying down. So they flip this thing open and just jump down into where Meng is. Ming's just looking around like he didn't see him coming. He didn't have shit to do until they there came was, through that <laughs> there hole. There was nothing going on, and it was steel cage. It wasn't like he was blocked off. He it wasn't fucking see. Legends of the Hidden Temple where yeah. they suddenly emerge in a room <laughs> and you're scared by one of the temple guards. No, you saw what was coming. So so he uh, Hogan gets through the hole, and I guess he hands a special coin to Ming so that he can pass through the next <laughs> door without getting his ass beat because Ming didn't do shit. Hogan goes through this door, and then... Fucking Arn Anderson jumps in, but somewhere they get a chain and they chain the door shut. So now Arn Anderson and Meng are just hanging out together in a thing, never to be seen again in the match. They're done. That's it. They're, they're stuck in this fucking room. <laughs> Hogan just abandons the cage altogether and goes out on the scaffolding where he proceeds to... 
he's like kind of kicking the taskmaster, trying to kick him off three stories onto the floor, which now we're watching the ultimate babyface try and murder a man. Does which doesn't seem very Hulkster like. <laughs> it was foreshadowing to when he, he joined the NWO. Yeah, it was foreshadowing his heel turn. You know, he, I, w- I was having a Twitter conversation with our friends over at the Best There Ever Was podcast, the Curtain Jerks, and they they made a good point, which was an allusion to uh, to what I had said, which was with the right people, this match could have worked as a war games match or a team versus team, and you're in you're sectioned off into different parts of this cage. You could have done something fun. But good lord, this, I mean, if this was meant to make Hogan and Savage look good, it didn't work. And you said at the, Hogan and Savage end up winning. I think Savage gets the pin on who the fuck knows. Well, keep in mind, before they ever even touch the fucking ring that's in the cage, they all just leave. And then they go have a match (laughs) in the ring in the middle of the thing. And then it was like somebody said, like, you can't win there. You have to go back to this one. So then they all just walk back there. Somewhere they get a fucking frying pan and they're just whacking dudes with frying pans, (laughs) which breaks immediately. And it reminded me of that scene in the movie, the wrestler with Mickey Rourke, when they break a fucking frying pan in like a dollar tree. Well, and I was watching a couple other matches throughout this, this uh, card before I got to the main event. And anytime something illegal happened, Bobby Heenan would just say, it's uncensored, man. It's uncensored. Like, like that's anything. how you get around wrestling making sense. Hey, name of the pay-per-view is uncensored. Shit doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> you just get to hear the absolute worst commentary during this match because nothing. there's no way they explained anything to Dusty Rhodes or Bobby Heenan before this started because they have nothing to contribute to this. I wish, I wish so badly I had seen this match before we went to StarCast, because I would have made it a point to go up to Tony Schiavone and ask him what he was thinking while watching this piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now, okay, if you could redo this match today, who would you put in it? I mean, like I said, I think you would have to do stable on stable. I mean, Undisputed Era, like, it would have to be a war game situation, and you would have to split people up into teams. When I think of this now, I think, like, if you just took the elite versus LIJ, they could probably come up with something fun. Yeah. For this, but they're so confined. There's no room to do anything. And you don't have good footing because you're literally walking across fencing. And when I see goddamn Arn Anderson walking on these cages, all I'm thinking is, well, I guess I know Arn Anderson isn't dead, but I'm worried that he might collapse through three <laughs> cages at any point. So I, I hope I hope we got Joey Walker. I hope this itches your 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 scratches your itch. That's what I'm trying to say, because I watched some Dungeon of Doom shit. It was bad. That's what I thought I was going to watch. And this was just what the fuck. Twenty five <laughs> minutes and 16 <laughs> seconds. Watched the whole thing. No regrets. I was just sitting there. Just it blew my mind because I was trying to figure out the rules and the commentators were just like, well, I guess it's I guess it's uncensored, daddy. Like this is. <laughs> I don't know. He's got a frying pan. <laughs> Your dusty impression is too good. We, why don't you do that more often? <laughs> it's, I like doing dusties. Uh, I, but, I, you know, I want to honor the man and not me. <laughs> <laughs> I think for next year's Halloween episode, we should do the whole episode in character as other pro wrestling personalities. Oh, baby, after this, things get bloody. <laughs> Can you do the predetermined intro as dusty? Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Predetermined Pro Wrestling Hangout. 
This is the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and with me as always. <laughs> I'm gonna get a headache from laughing. Oh shit, that's good. All right, Joey Walker, watch some Dungeon of Doom stuff. Hope you're happy. Thank you for listening, Joey. We love you. Uh, watched another WCW match. That's the the theme of this block of matches here. We watched a match from Halloween Havoc 1997. This is actually a pretty popular and famous match. Uh, this was recommended to us by a friend of the podcast, Queen of the Ring. Great recommendation. Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. Cruiserweight title versus Mask. I had watched this a long time ago. I think I had it like on a VHS or something. Like a, a how? Yeah, I definitely rented this from Freeze's video. Yeah. Yeah, I had seen this before, but God, it's been what? how long? Like... 20 years <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah well i guess so I actually had... yeah yeah it would have been the late 90s that's crazy we're getting old but uh eddie Guerrero versus ray mysterio you know when you hear those two names you know that they have history together you know they have great chemistry hadn't watched it in forever Th- this was probably the best wrestling match that we watched out of for for this episode wouldn't you say oh as far as pure wrestling goes this was fun as hell. There were some really good spots in this where I thought, I mean, where Ray was just seconds from breaking his neck <laughs> or, you know, just, just, just inches. If you're not into high flying flippy shit, don't watch this match. If you're into good flippy high flying wrestling, this is the one for you. Mysterio does some shit in this match that basically is what he's famous for now. Like that. He really cut his teeth in WCW and it's matches like this that put him on the map. And he and Eddie just have such good chemistry together. And Eddie's such a dick. And there's another spot in this match where you got a guy and he's trying to tear Mysterio's mask off mid-match. And he almost does. Like, he gets, like, half the goddamn mask off. I kind of forgot. I couldn't remember the outcome of this. Because I remembered that Ray lost his mask at some point in yeah. WCW. But I could not remember when that was. I'm pretty sure it was Kevin Nash who a couple years later beat Mysterio on Nitro or or, or it was a pay-per-view or something. Well, because Mysterio was... lost his mask that way. Because next, what are we talking? Like, after this, uh, we're probably going to Great American Bash. But I know in the Great American Bash card, he was part of the Misfits or something and yeah, didn't have with... a mask at that point. Yeah. Yeah, that was after he lost his mask. But guys... Seriously, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio from Halloween Havoc 1997. There's there so many spots in this match. I mean, we could just talk about different things. There was a, what was the spot where like there's a like Mysterio flips Eddie to the outside, and then on top of that, in the same move, does a Hurricane Rana. Yeah, he runs, flips out of the ring, and does this Hurricane Rana. That's where his head just barely misses the floor, and you yeah. can see when he lands, like. You just see his fists clench and shake a little bit. You can see he's celebrating on the floor that he's not dead. <laughs> and not only that, there was that other spot where he has his back facing the ring, but he's standing on the top rope and does a backflip, turning it into a DDT onto Eddie. Yeah. And it, and it looks, I mean, that's the thing that like, you, I feel like we are so numb to this kind of stuff after watching a lot of the stuff on the Indies right now, but these two guys made it look so fluid and so easy, and it's not. It's just occasionally you find two guys that just work together so goddamn well, and that was Eddie and Ray. I think <laughs> the, the, the funny thing is we wouldn't even be talking about this match 
if this hadn't happened at Halloween Havoc, it wouldn't have fit in with the theme, but good call by Queen of the Ring picking this one from Halloween Havoc 1997. Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio, man. It looked like Rey Mysterio had on kind of a Kigurumi for this one. I you had- know, the, uh, the Japanese uh, like onesies that make you an animal. He had a full yeah. body suit on. It looked like the mask was attached to the suit so that you know he couldn't get it off. I had made the comment that Eddie Guerrero was wearing his Twix colored tights, like the like the wrapper for a Twix candy bar, <laughs> and Mysterio looked like a purple version of the Riddler and Spider Man. Yeah, is that what he was trying to do? There were question marks all over it. Was there something in a storyline that made those question marks be there? Well, no, the question mark I think goes in line with his last name being Mysterio. He's mysterious. Ah, I'm so dumb. The, I'm dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. So I'm glad I finally explained that to you. But uh can't recommend I, this match enough, man. Do you find uh, this these type of costumes distracting? Like by Mysterio? Yeah, because I know when we were at All In, I was just like, God, Wolverine being on the side of the, the ring is just, I can't stop looking at him and he's not even in the match yet. Well, I think there's a difference between seeing fucking Wolverine and then this guy wearing a bright purple outfit. Like, to me, this wasn't a big deal. Like, to me, this was just fun. Like, I acknowledged it for a minute, but the Wolverine costume at <laughs> All In was definitely, you leaned over to me and said, I can't just not see Wolverine, like actual Wolverine standing on the ring apron, and that's distracting. Like, I get that. And looking over all these matches that we're covering for this episode, is Eddie the only guy that appears twice on this list? Uh, Yeah. That's that's some foreshadowing for later in the episode. Oh, before so, we move on to the next match, though, can I say what two matches came ahead of this on the card? Absolutely, because it's relevant now because we talked about a New Japan match earlier. Yeah, I Hit was him with it. I was surprised the opening match on the card was Yuji Nagata against Ultimo Dragon. Which was a lot of fun. And I totally forgot that Yuji, Yuji Nagata did anything over there. He's still in New Japan, pops up once in a while. And then after that, fucking Chris Jericho versus Gato. It's weird. I think this time period in WCW, they were bringing in a lot of the Japanese guys. So you'd be surprised who you'll find when you go back through the network and, and start scrolling across the cards of these shows. For real, if you pop one of these on and just go to the beginning part of any of these cards you're probably going to be a little shocked at some of the people that, you know, the young versions of these people that are showing up. Yeah. So we skip ahead a few years. Now we're hit. We're now we're going to hit on a WCW great American bash in the year 2000. And this is when WCW is it's dying <laughs> or is it already dead? What, what would you say? Uh, it's really, I mean, it's Okay. You know where Eddie was at the end of his match with JBL where he's like just bleeding everywhere and you know he's about to die in real life? Well, we're talking about that later, but yeah. yeah you, you get it, though. Uh, at this point, WCW has just covered the ground in blood. They're really just crawling trying to get help. Yeah. So we got a match here between Sting and Vampiro. This is a human torch match. Gimmick City. There is, there's, this was recommended to us by our friend Sean Jankowski. This definitely fits in with the Halloween theme, but there's not a whole lot to this one. You got an opener with Sting dropping down onto the Nitro Vision, their version of the Titantron, and he he repels from the ceiling, lands on top of the Titantron, and, and dares Vampiro to come up to the top of the Titantron or the Nitro Vision and start the match with him up there, and they've got a torch. And Vampiro had come to the ring with a, a canister of gasoline, 
And man, <laughs> there's this awkward moment, because I hadn't watched this before, where Sting calls him up to the Nitrovision, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's where we're starting? And Vampiro just refuses. <laughs> so Sting then has to awkwardly climb down the side of the Nitrovision, go to the ring, and do maybe, maybe two minutes of whatever wrestling with Vampiro that wasn't anything to note. And then they immediately go back to the Nitrovision and start climbing up the side of it. This was... The best worst match I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I will end the year 2018 by saying this was my favorite match of 2018. <laughs> I, Just from watching it? <laughs> I I actually remembered watching this match. Not obviously not live on pay-per-view, but you know, watching it on VHS or whatever uh later. Good fucking God. This is another weird one where the announcer, the commentators are put in a very, very awkward position to call nonsense. And, and <laughs> that's what they got. Like the match starts with them saying like, by the end of this, somebody's going to be on fire. <laughs> and you're just like, what the <laughs> fuck? Well, yeah, that is, that is the match. But then at the end, when somebody was on fire, they all seemed surprised that somebody was on fire. They weren't ready to see it. Garrett. Like, there's no way we're going to go all the way through with this, right? So They were probably okay because they thought, oh, it's Sting. He's definitely going over, so it's going to be Vampiro that burns. No big deal. Oh, that's not true. The icon Sting, on top of the fucking Nitro Vision, and gets set on fire. And thrown off onto some crash pads. This let's, was easily let's not downplay that second part. This Sting was... <laughs> falls a long way while on fire onto some mats. And I'll go ahead and tell you, not a chance in hell that was actually Sting. Because they had the 100% worst camera angle they could have ever had of these two guys fighting on top of the Titantron. They were so far back on it, and they only had one camera shot. So you're really only seeing heads going up and down for a good chunk of this seven-minute match. And to make, it, to make it even more difficult to watch what's going on, for whatever reason, when they climbed up on top of this thing, they decided to turn off the lights and turn on that old strobe light that's supposed to look like lightning, like, like oh the old God. thunder set. And they, they clearly were like blurring the line on what was going on to, to so they could dis, like disguise the fact that they were slipping in a stuntman. Oh, oh, my God. I was loving it. I even said to Leah, I was like, I don't know why people complain so much about this. This is wonderful. Like... <laughs> Like you don't get this anymore, <laughs> and if we deserve see, this. <laughs> if you want to see one of your favorite professional wrestlers get set on fire and then fall off the top of the Titan drawn, check this match out from Great American Bash 2000, Sting and Vampiro, Human Torch match. This is by and, Sean Jankowski. Thank you for the recommendation. You just made Garrett's life. Oh, you made my... Th I Thank you for bringing this back to me, and I want all of you to tweet at me and let me know if we're, we want to redo this Human Torch match or whatever the fuck it's called. Who would you pick? What two wrestlers would you have recreate this match where one guy ends up on fire? That's a good call. And you know what? That Maybe do the cage one, too. Who are you throwing in that cage? <laughs> Try and get a couple guys that can work. Let me go ahead and tell you, with the fire match, you can get fucking anybody in there. We could get, we could get goddamn Jerry Lawler in there now, and he could still handle this thing, I think. 
That seems like a match that was designed for Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose. <laughs> We're all going to die tonight. He sets himself on fire and then hugs Bray Wyatt. <laughs> I'm doing the job. Check it out. <laughs> that's this why he's always so, that's why you, when you see him, he's always so shiny and wet. That's not sweat. It's not water. It's not baby oil. No, man. That's gasoline. Dean Ambrose comes to the arena every night hoping for a human torch match. I just thought of who needs this. We need to get in contact with Joey fucking Janela. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you, both of these matches that we just talked about would be excellent additions to Spring Break 3. Joey Janela versus Nick Gage in a human torch match. Oh my God. <laughs> We're giving what? them ideas. But like you said, I want to hear like some suggestions from our listeners. Send me these guys. I want to talk about this. I'm I'm not done with people on fire matches. Garrett, this next match was not suggested by one of our listeners. This me- this next match we're going to talk about was suggested by me. I love you, we- by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I love you too. Happy Halloween. I was trying to think of a match that would just be a bloody fucking mess. And one came to mind immediately that I hadn't watched in years. And I knew you hadn't seen WWE Survivor Series 2003. The Undertaker versus Vince McMahon in a buried alive match. Garrett, tell me what you thought. Once again, this was the most fun block of matches I've ever watched all in a row. This would be the perfect card. Of any, of any show. <laughs> if I could have witnessed all these live on the same night, there was so much blood, and it's all from the very first punch. I mean, this is a squash match, essentially, where you get to watch Vince McMahon just bleed all over the place. And wherever he lands, there is a puddle. It doesn't matter where in the arena. The blood goes all over the announce table in this thing, and it's just... It, you know at some point backstage, he's like, now, Mark, you better lay into me, goddammit. I don't want to look like a pussy out there. <laughs> That's the thing is you hear these stories from the guys that work with Vince, and he always hypes them up and tells them, now, don't you fucking baby me. You hit me like I'm one of the boys. Fucking lay into me. And fucking, I love that we're calling him Mark. Well, he, <laughs> at this point, like, he's not hitting him like he's one of the boys. He's hitting him like he fucked his wife. Like, he he is really in the corner just laying oh, God. these goddamn punches, and it looks like Vince actually has his arms up like, Mark, Mark, what the fuck <laughs> are you doing? Well, uh, you're not exaggerating. For, for anyone who hasn't watched this match before, the first punch, <laughs> Vince has got his hands clasped in prayer, believing that God is going to protect him from The Undertaker, who, who by the way, in this match, this is his final match as the American badass biker undertaker. But from the the first thing that happens in this match is undertaker hauls off and punches Vince in the face. And he, as you put it, just explodes first punch gushing blood out of the face. And we're talking anytime he leaned over the mats, anytime he leaned over the announce table, a puddle of blood was there a second later, (laughs) like a soup bowl of blood. Uh, somebody had to, cause you gotta understand the guy who usually runs the show is now in the ring bleeding to death. There's so no there one were, in the ref's ear. There can't be. He's just like, 
help. Like, you just see him scream, help. I like to imagine Bruce Pritchard's just in the back at Gorilla just saying, just let him die. Let him die. He He asked for this. This is what he wanted. This is what he wanted. This is what the boss wants. Give it to him. If anything, Mark, the Undertaker, probably had an earpiece in, and he was getting fed instructions from everyone in the back on what to do to him next for having (laughs) Vince makes them be on the road for 300-plus days a year, and the Undertaker got to take it out on him in one match. Holy shit. Remember when Ronda Rousey fought Triple H at Mania and she got him in the corner and was really like laying in with the MMA punches? Yeah. That's in the first three seconds of this fucking match. He has Vince McMahon in the corner and is just punching the shit out of him. If these, if any of these are working punches and not just real punches to him, good on you, Mark, because it's the best ones I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's not even the most brutal part of the match. I mean, they got a spot where he wraps Vince's legs around the, the ring post. and <laughs> breaks his and ankle. Ra- <laughs> he, he does. I completely forgot about that. He puts Vince's ankle up on the bottom half of the steel steps, grabs the top half of the steel steps. <laughs> or was it a chair? I think it was the steel steps. No, he took the steps and smashes it down on his ankle. It smashes his fucking ankle. Then oh. he gets him back in the ring, goes up to where the buried alive shit is. Because don't forget, this is a buried alive match. <laughs> and he could have done it already. Like, he, at this point, like, you fucked my wife. I'm going to make sure you bleed to death in this ring. And he goes and gets, a sh- like, a snow shovel. Vince McMahon turns around, and I almost fucking threw up. <laughs> from the sound that shovel made is it connected to his bare face we talk about how brutal it is to see unprotected chair shots in this day and age going back to this match that's a fucking wake-up call about how things used to be in this business well leo was sitting next to me while i was watching it and she goes can you rewind that and i rewound it and she t- <laughs> and she she pulls out her phone and takes a video and said i need to let instagram know what my mood is right now <laughs> mind your wife really doesn't give too much of a shit about pro wrestling but she made you rewind to this spot and and this is the fucked up thing not only is it a hard hit to the face with a shovel <laughs> keep in mind he, he was already gushing blood like nobody's business this is just a gory match <laughs> and i'm the funny thing is i didn't spoil the surprise for you at the end of this match I kind of want to spoil it though, because it was, I, when the surprise happens, I spit fucking water all over my computer at work. <laughs> Just, if you don't want to get spoiled by the, the, the finish to this match, skip ahead a couple minutes. Garrett, tell them what happens. Good God. So there's an end loader <laughs> at the, uh, the top of this where the, you got to put the guy in the thing. He gets McMahon in the hole. He goes to open the end loader cab. And when he pulls the door open, it fucking explodes. <laughs> There's a fucking terrorist attack in the middle of a wrestling match. Is that what you thought happened? I didn't know what the fuck happened because usually those don't explode when you open them. (laughs) So so your reaction was you spit water out all over your computer? I was taking a drink right as it exploded and just spit it everywhere. Uh, Fuck. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. I fucking love wrestling, guys. And it's because... (laughs) And it is because of matches like these. Yes, occasionally we get, you know, these hour-long Broadway matches. But sometimes you just need to see a guy bleed all over the place and get it blown up. I don't know. And and the mayor of Knox, Knoxville shows up. No mask. 
bald, <laughs> looking looking horrifying, punches his brother in the face, knocks him down into the grave. Vince turns the inloader on, buries the Undertaker alive, and that is the last we have ever seen of the dead, or I guess not the dead man, of Biker Undertaker, the American badass. Which, one of Leah's big takeaways from this match is she really, really, really wants his pants. Just the leather pants that say Big Evil on them. She likes that? Oh, she wants them real bad. <laughs> well, don't you say you have a connection there in Nashville to somebody who knows The Undertaker? Oh, yeah. I met a guy at work whose uh, best friend is Undertaker's kid. You should see if he still has the pants. You just get, Hey, can you ask your buddy if uh, he can get, a, get us a pair of those pants? <laughs> really mean a lot to me. Those big evil pants were, were tight. God, Leah, Leah tight, would like, just cool fit or... Both, I hope. <laughs> Not for Leah. I mean, sure, she she would be able to fit in one of the pants legs, wouldn't she? I mean, there would be a sleeping bag for her. That's true. Oh, what do we man. got next? Okay. We have one more match to review on our Halloween playlist for this episode, and it's another fucking bloodbath. This w one did... I had seen before. Like, this is probably one of the most famous bloodbath matches. I'll be completely honest with you. I have only seen clips from this match. I did not know the finish, and the finish that I thought was going to happen did not happen. I, I was pleasantly surprised all these years later, and I realized I didn't know exactly when Eddie Guerrero lost his WWE championship. But this is from WWE Judgment Day 2004, Eddie Guerrero versus JBL for the WWE championship. This was submitted by our friend Luke. Do you know how to pronounce his last name? Luke Schoopf? I don't. It's Luke. I went to PWG with him. For, I went to Bolo with him. He's in the band uh, Hearts Like Lions. Uh, so I'm promoting your band. Don't know how to say your last name, bud. Uh, what? Is this Schimpf? his Twitter or Schimpf? his Instagram? That's his, I gave you his, uh, his Twitter. His Twitter handle is Luke is number two sweet. Luke is too sweet. This Good is guy. A if you're into the if you're into the pop punk, check out his band Hearts Like Lions. They're on a Tooth and Nail Records. And Luke wanted us to watch this very, very, very famous and bloody match between Eddie Guerrero and JBL. I had never seen this before. The theme going into this match was that JBL was a new man and he was focusing on his wrestling career and he's no longer an APA guy. But along the way, he causes Eddie Guerrero's his mom to have a heart attack in the middle of the ring at a WWE live event. So Eddie's pissed off. And even though he's defending the WWE championship against JBL, he's out for revenge. Okay. So the main spot where this happens is they're on the outside of the ring and Eddie takes a motherfucker of a chair shot to the head. So was, was this more brutal than, than the shovel spot you think? Yes, because I think the shovel seemed a little gimmicked. It made a terrible sound. Seemed a little bit. Gim this was this didn't. Uh, but do we know? Did Eddie blade too deep, or did he actually get cut by the chair? From what I understand, and I do not know. So if somebody out there knows the answer to this and wants to make fun of us for not knowing, from what I understood, he bladed too deep and cut an artery. No shit. <laughs> and when you see this match, you will understand that that makes perfect sense because. He's raging out on JBL at the beginning of this match. JBL's not getting much offense in. And then when it spills out of the side of the ring, ref gets knocked down. JBL cracks him with the chair. Brutal fucking headshot. He blades and he is gushing 
so 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 oh. much blood and his his heart is pumping because they've been working so hard so yep. it is just coming out in spurts like literal like like a water fountain of red i mean he spurts. ended up in the hospital for a while after this one didn't he because he actually lost so much blood i would believe it but this is the fucked up thing he blades he's bleeding everywhere they still work like another 10 15 minutes don't they oh is he has to be out on his feet at some point he has lost many pints I mean, th- this I said was... like mid match, they needed to give him a goddamn cookie and some orange juice so that he didn't get dizzy. <laughs> he gave too much blood to the business and now he needs to recover. Good Lord. Uh, but I mean, JBL is fucking covered. It is. The crowd is so behind Eddie, but I mean, Eddie can't even he can't see at this point. There's just so much blood gushing straight into his eyes. Is this the most blood you've ever seen in a match? Um. I'm trying to remember that. Mag- is it, is I feel it like just there's... hard to imagine something coming close? I feel like we've probably seen some right there. I feel like there were a lot of dusty matches that ended in a lot of blood. Was there a lot of blood in the Magnum TA Tully Blanchard one? I mean, there was blood, but I don't remember Not anything like this. like this. No. I mean, there may be something out there that has more, but I haven't seen it. So to oh, yeah, me, I, this I, is I, the standard. Okay, I got one. <laughs> Uh, that match we saw at GCW where the guy landed on all those razor blades. That was pretty... Yeah, <laughs> there was a enough. lot of blood where, there. Where he turned into a fish with gills on his back. Uh, and then uh. wrestled a tag team match again later in the night. Yep. No big deal. But, uh... No, I'll, so to tell you the truth, I did not know the finish to this match. I, I would have... I knew Eddie dropped the title to JBL. But I never saw this pay-per-view live. I, we didn't uh, get many of the, the SmackDown side pay-per-views back in the day. So I, I didn't know at what show he dropped the WWE Championship to JBL. I thought it was this match. So there's a point at the end of the match. The ref comes back, too, and JBL tries bringing a chair and the title into the ring. And the ref takes away the chair. And while he's trying to take away the chair, he uses he goes to use the belt on Eddie. Eddie takes it from him. And smacks JBL in the face with it right as the ref turns. And JBL wins the match by DQ. But Eddie ends up beating the shit out of him for another five minutes. Which is hilarious. Because Eddie hits JBL with the belt. And JBL blades. And there's just like the weakest little trickle of blood coming from his forehead. (laughs) By comparison. As this other man is just crimson. Like it looks like he's wearing a Rey Mysterio bodysuit at this point. (laughs) Who are you? I'm Daredevil because I'm blind and red now. Good Lord. I mean, like, I think these last two matches are two of the bloodiest matches I've ever seen. Uh, This one was recommended, again, by our friend Luke. Thank you for the recommendation, man. Good Lord, if you haven't seen this, go check it out on the WWE Network. This, I mean, I think it's cool that we kind of ended this set of matches. We did, like, the bloody, gory stuff last yeah, next is uh, next week. Hopefully, we can talk about that Michael Myers versus Eddie Guerrero match. That might be the only <laughs> one with more blood. He slits his throat and he wrestles another twenty minutes. It's the damnedest speak- thing. Speaking of which, we both saw the new Halloween movie last week. What did you think? Oh, it was so good. It was so you good. I loved it. it. I loved it. Like you and I grew up on these movies. To me, these movies are as important to my childhood as Star Wars is. Yeah. And I I haven't had this level of excitement going into a movie theater in a while. And getting to walk out satisfied always feels nice. I think you kind of know what you're getting into. There's only so many creative things they can do with a, like a slasher movie. But 
such a good follow up to the original Halloween. It's a new timeline. If you haven't seen it, it's number it's the number one movie in America right now, isn't it? Yeah, I believe it's the highest grossing female led horror movie ever. And now the highest grossing movie starring a woman over 55. <laughs> and the movie was made on a budget of $10 million and it's getting it's all already that. near a hundred million. Worldwide, <laughs> yeah. So we're going to get more. Yeah. So if you haven't go check that out from the, from the Halloween hero, I'm, that's a recommendation before we, uh, you know, we're, we're nearing the end here, but I feel like I got to talk about this. I attended NWA's 70th anniversary show here at the Asylum in Nashville. Yeah, I, the funny thing is, I this happened the other day, and I haven't heard you talk about it a whole bunch. You did message me before the show to talk about all the hilarious hijinks leading up to the show. But My God. My God. It was- We've got some time, man. To t- tell the listeners what happened. Okay, so before I had bought a meet and greet with Cody Rhodes, and it was the uh, it was like the VIP, what do they call it? The the ten pounds of gold pack, which just meant I met I was gonna meet Cody Rhodes. They were supposed to give me a pin, like a you know a little wearable pin of the ten pounds of gold and uh, an autograph or whatever. I don't know. So wait in line, get into this place. Usually when you do these meet and greets, like I know anytime we've done it at pro wrestling tees, some other places, you can usually bring another person with you to be in the photo. Right. You usually get a plus one. So my wife waits in line with me for an hour. They won't even let her into the building when we get up there. (laughs) Jesus. She just wanted to meet Cody and Brandy. That's maybe one of the only things she enjoys about pro wrestling is just them as people. Does she like Pharaoh? Oh, she loves Pharaoh. The whole time in line, she's like, you think Pharaoh's here? And it's like, ah, not a chance. There's no way they just brought a dog to Nashville. <laughs> but uh, so they hand me these two tickets and a pen. And they said, yeah, she can't come in. And I was, you know, instantly not happy about that. And I was even angrier when I saw the pen that they handed me because I saw a lot of people walking around with these really cool uh, 10 pounds of gold pens on their jackets. And I was like, Holy yeah, God, that's a cool pen. And the thing they hand me is a little gold pen with a sticker on it that kind of resembles the 10 pounds of gold. <laughs> and I say kind of cheap, very, very, very cheap. So I get in line to meet uh, Cody. And when I get up there, I had these two tickets and they said, oh, do you uh, do you want the autograph and the picture? And I said, oh, if I just get the uh, the picture, do I keep the other ticket and I can use it for somebody else? They say yes. So I get up there, talk to Cody Rhodes, who was very, very loose lipped about what he's got going on in his life. I think he's fucking with all of us because I heard him say it to other people. So Do you I even want to talk about it and say what he said. Or oh, what? I'm going to I'm going to say it because I heard other people say, <laughs> yeah, he told me it. this and said, don't talk about it. <laughs> so he's so obviously going to refuse to be on our podcast when he hears about this. He's obviously spreading the word because everybody in the goddamn line knew. And there's no way you can just tell all of Nashville. <clears throat> but he so, uh, go, I go mentioned on. I mentioned that we were at Starcast and I, you know, that we had a good time at all in and everything. And then he's like, well, man, yeah, you should come back and do it again with us for the, uh, the sequel. It's in, it's in May. Don't tell anyone. But he also said that to many other people in the line. He also said to the, a guy walked by in a bullet club shirt and he points at it and goes, yeah, I'm not going to be in the bullet club anymore after this weekend. Uh, the elite splitting off and the bullet club's going to be its own thing. 
just something that you know we kind of assume is going to happen but to just so casually say after casually dropping bombshells left and right oh all in two is going to happen in the spring oh by the way bullet club we're not going to be a part of it anymore so i could also see that maybe i i have a feeling he was just fucking with everyone and just being very casual but as far as meet and greets go he was a really good meet and greet. He was giving everybody the time to just chat and just seem like a genuinely nice guy. I your picture with him is a is a joy to look at. You both he he especially you both look so happy, but he looks overjoyed to be hanging out with you. And you didn't tell me until I saw the picture. You got to hold the ten pounds of gold. That was pretty cool. Uh, it was something that. You know, I get ready to pose for the picture, and then he just handed it to me, and I wasn't expecting it, so I was like, holy fuck. So I didn't really get to fully enjoy how cool it was, because he just kind of sprung it on me. But he also had the New Japan title sitting there as well. Nice. So it was kind of cool to see both of those. Uh, you know, Which one, I, if you had to pick, which one would you have gotten your picture with? If you, if uh, you if, Only one. I'm at the NWA show. Cody's the NWA champ. There was no way to know how much longer he was going to hold that. I definitely would have gone 10 pounds of gold. Yeah. Right. It just seems like it's going to be from an odd specific time from his career. And that was the correct selection too, because it didn't last much longer, man. Their, their match at the end of that night, the, the, the show was fine. Like it was a pretty good show, but their match, they treated it like they were in a huge arena. They really gave Nashville a show that night. They treated it like it was special and that, they knew the crowd cared, and they gave us something that night. That was really, really good. I've only seen a couple highlights from it, but y- you did have the match essentially spill into your lap as well. Yeah, we had, uh, if you remember, uh, Kelsey from uh, Super Kicking It with Kelsey from StarCast. Yeah. She was at a table near us, and she was actually sitting right in front of me. And at one point, Cody motions to us and just says, Move! <laughs> So we all run to the side. He throws Nick Aldis right in our laps. They end up fighting right in front of us for quite a while. Then they move over to which they Cornette was right near us. I could see Cornette all night. And, you know, I just wanted to get a Chucky T chant going over there for him. <laughs> I told you to harass him. But also the other weird thing is that entire night inside the, the venue, Billy Corrigan's just like always an eye shot. Like he was always just kind of standing around. You said Magnum TA was there too. He was. He was there to present the. Was he there to present the uh, the na- what they they premiered the NWA national title? So kind of their version of the North American title. A lot of people complaining online about the look of that thing because it's a red strap with a gold United States on it. Just the shape of the United States is the actual title part. That's a throwback to one of the how the older belts looked though. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not. I didn't have a. I don't have a problem with that. I think what, what we learned is. after the Finn Balor match, the Finn Balor-Seth Rollins match, don't complain about fucking belts because you might end up ruining a match that you're never going to get again. And it might actually grow on you over time. Yeah, do you think all those people in that arena are like, I really wish we had paid more attention to the Finn Balor-Seth Rollins match because we only got to enjoy him as the you know the, the champ for one night. Yeah. Yeah, so you said the show overall was fun. Yeah. Oh, back into the thing, though. I uh, I got these, this extra ticket now. So wait in line to meet Brandy. Get up to Brandy. She says, sorry, I, I only take cash. They won't let me take the tickets. And already that's kind of awkward because I'd wait in a line. I don't want to get up there and just be like, OK, I'll leave then. So I give her 20 bucks for a picture. Talk for a minute to her. 
then move on where I'm like, all right, I got to find somebody to give this ticket to. So I go over to Penelope Ford and she goes, oh, I don't charge for pictures. And it's like, oh, cool. Get a picture. She's like, but if you want to support me, you can buy this T-shirt. Well, I'm not going to say no to Penelope Ford. Of course Ford. you want to support her. Yeah. I love Penelope Ford and I, and I didn't even know she had shirts. So I bought one. Uh, then I go over to one of the people running the thing. I'm like, who takes these? And they said, anyone, any wrestler takes these. And I pointed at Scorpio Sky in the corner and I said, so I go hand this to Scorpio Sky and I'm going to get a picture. And he said, absolutely. And I said, we'll see. So, <laughs> so I walk over to Scorpio Sky. We're talking, exchange some pleasantries. I go to hand the ticket and he goes, oh, sorry, man. I only take cash. I can't take this ticket. WTF. So at this point, I'm having to have a lot of awkward interactions with wrestlers. And already, when you're meeting these people, it's kind of weird that you're giving them money for their time, essentially. And you don't want to have to waste that being like, I have a coupon to meet somebody, and I'm not going to give you money. But at this (laughs) point, point, Penelope Ford and Brandy already got my money. The ladies got it already. I'm sorry, Scorpio Sky. I don't have money for you. So I walk back over and... The, the guys, I tell him, like, this doesn't work. Scorpio Sky doesn't take it. And he gets a manager, and the manager tells me, uh, only people on the card are, can take these. And I said, on the card. And she points at the card, and I point at Scorpio Sky's name on the card, and then point to Scorpio Sky. <laughs> Spelling it out for them. And uh, she goes, well, only people on the NWA <laughs> roster. I'm well, like, what the fuck? Like, well, who the fuck is on the NWA? Do it. I was like, does anyone in this building post. know who's on the NWA roster right now? God. Uh, so You're- I ended up giving it to Colt Cabana. You got your picture with Colt. I like Colt Cabana. He deserves the money. I like his show. Boom, boom. So, yeah, get out of there. We get into the show. Uh, it's kind of a weird crowd inside the asylum. It's it's pretty full. I think they said it was the the biggest, like, the most people they had ever had at a wrestling show there which kind of confused me because I know when I was there for that Aero Lucha show, I didn't see an empty seat in the place. That place was packed. I saw a few empty spots in the, the GA section. But were the tickets more expensive or something like that? In GA, the tickets were 20 bucks. Ringside was 70 Gotcha. So, I mean, it's kind of pricey for the size of venue it is. But, you know, it's, it had this big match. I think we all wanted the Cody Aldis match. So, that, to me, that was worth it because we were yeah. getting something special. Uh, there was a dark match at the beginning. Surprise, James Ellsworth's here. <laughs> He's been everywhere lately, hasn't he? Probably the second biggest pop of the night was Ellsworth. Good Lord. Isn't that insane? <laughs> what, like a positive reception? Yes, he's getting like booed everywhere else. He shows up. The crowd is excited that James Ellsworth is here. So Nashville is a James Ellsworth town. Oh, this is a James Ellsworth town, baby. And uh, <laughs> we... Duh! <laughs> I don't, guys over at Southern Underground Pro, please don't book James Ellsworth. Please. Maybe. I kind of want to see him book James Ellsworth. And if you're going to book him, you get him in there with Kevin Koo and just have him high five his hand off. You're telling me you don't want to see Marco Stunt versus James Ellsworth? We'll see that eventually somewhere. I don't need to see it here. I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, Magnum TA was there, and I felt uncomfortable with that because, uh, you know, they had him on a Segway with a chair on it. So, But he can't come down the ramp, so they have him going by down this really narrow space that he can't fit through. And I feel like they just keep making him go back and forth, and it just looks uncomfortable. And I felt bad for Magnum TA. Like, to just get him a, a more comfortable entrance way to get in here. 
Uh, but there were a lot of big names in the house for the show. Yeah, they had a, a lot of old timers there. Like this one, they had they had a lady with a microphone go, and the next person needs absolutely no introduction. And then and then he goes like, "Oh shucks," kind of thing. And she's like, "No, you don't." Rory Funk Jr. And you hear him go like, "My name's Dory." <laughs> <laughs> and, Awkward. Oh man, that's gonna be on some fail clip somewhere. Is a lady that's gonna saying, make botchamania? Oh, this man needs absolutely no introduction. Rory Funk Jr. My name's Dory. <laughs> Apparently he does. And then oh, he had a, he looked like he was 90 years old. I have no idea how old he is now. He's out there cracking a goddamn whip like right towards Kelsey. And I'm just like where am I at? Wrestling has never been more exciting and just like this youthful thing and we kind of have we're bringing out a lot of older guys and I don't think this is going to get the kids to pop. <laughs> But I also understand it's the NWA 70th anniversary, so you bring out who you got. They're trying to revive the brand, so that makes yeah. sense that you would pay homage to your past. But yeah, we saw some good stuff. Uh, I mean, obviously the highlight was the main event. I think that's the thing most worth talking about, and it was 100% worth watching. I don't think, based off the way the rest of the night went, like the crowd wasn't always super hot. But goddamn, when Cody and all this were going at it, they they finally like really truly came to life, and that was a hot hot crowd. They were on their feet the entire match, which I love. I love when it's one that you realize, oh my god, I didn't know, I didn't realize we were all the whole place is standing right now. And where can people watch the show if they want to watch it? Well, I know they had it on Fight TV. I have to imagine that it'll gradually make its way onto you know the Wild West over at Daily Motion. But uh, I think <laughs> Fight TV is the place to watch it right now. Gotcha. I'll have to check out that match because I know I enjoyed <laughs> Aldis versus Cody from All In, so got to see the sequel. And I mean, um, Aldis, to me, he's these two matches have made him a star to me. I am all on board Aldis, and this was clearly getting Cody there to just kind of help jumpstart this revival of it because yeah. clearly he's gone now. But I would hope there's a three, but I don't know. I Do you think that's smart to bring in that big of a star and then take him away? I don't know. I mean, like, I, do you, I don't know the right way to handle it. Yeah, I don't either. This is, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Because I know uh, Billy Corrigan of the Smashing Pumpkins and the owner of NWA had a long post about it. And he kind of said the show didn't really go the way he wanted it to. And he realizes he's got a long way to go before he can present people with a show that he's comfortable selling tickets to, kind of. Well, at least he's self-aware and he's trying to put out a good product, so... But I think he put on a show that had a good, it sold, you know, didn't, I don't know if it was 100% sold out, but people really enjoyed it. He, he had a good thing going. I would be happy to see more. We're getting towards the end of this Halloween themed episode. You did have one more Halloween themed thing to talk about. You got, you got the idea to watch something from my friend from Canada, from uh, up in, near Toronto. His name's Johnny. I've known him for over a decade now, about 12, 13 years. Who else we got up in Canada? We got Lowell in Canada. We got Johnny Lowell! in Canada. I want more Canadians. Bring me the Canadians. They're the best. You know what? Maybe we'll do a whole Canadian wrestling episode and just have the Canadians tell us what to watch. Well, what did what did my friend, the Canadian Johnny, what did he ha what did he have you watch? What did you discover? Something kaiju related, so right? He pointed out to me that a movie exists called Kaiju Mono. Which, uh, once I put it into my 
my Blu-ray player, I see that that means monsters versus humans with two exclamation points. <laughs> I ordered this for $12 off Amazon. It is a movie that the cover of it is Kota Ibushi fighting a Godzilla-like creature. And then when you flip it over, you see Minoru Suzuki giving the same creature a double drop kick. I'm not going to lie. I didn't finish this movie because some big news dropped while I was watching it. But So you were you were watching this last night, correct? I mean, th- we're recording on a Tuesday. Yeah, I was watching this Monday night, uh, you know, a little before Raw started. And obviously, once Raw got going, got some big news. But where I got so far, I didn't know what this was going to be like. And the movie was dubbed. So it's an English dub. And there were it's, it's silly as shit. It's definitely... You, do you remember the movie Kung Pao Enter the Fist? I never saw it, but I remember it. It's that kind of humor, but some of the jokes I can't tell if they were lost in translation or <laughs> what the fuck is going on. <laughs> there is a lady and, the, and a guy, and they're out in the woods, and they see the kaiju, and it eats her. And a brazier falls into his hands, and he says, she said she wasn't a virgin. What? Yeah, I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get it. And then at another point in this, they're talking to like an old sensei kind of guy, and she's explaining that her scientist father uh, now... Wait, was the, was the joke that because she said she wasn't a virgin, that she was more experienced to this, and so... She ended up getting eaten, so she botched it. No, I don't. I'm still trying. There there was no joke. I think that it just didn't translate. (laughs) I'm gonna be laying in bed tonight trying to think of ways it makes sense. Oh, I took a video of this clip. I'll post it on our thing, and you guys can watch it and see if there was any context that I missed. But she (laughs) she's talking about her scientist father, and she goes, "He's been very sad since mom died, so now he dresses like Sailor Moon." And then it cuts to this like really wacky, bright clip of just an old Japanese man dancing around in a Sailor Moon costume and like giving peace signs. And then it cuts back to the sensei, and he just goes, "I can't get an erection anymore." <laughs> Basically, Mother Nature has fucked everything up. Some kaiju have come. This scientist has created a serum that he can give you a shot with. And it'll make you the best version of yourself. So he takes a nerdy guy, gives him a shot. It turns him into, it turns him into a kaiju size Kota Ibushi. <laughs> and they tell him like, you have to start naked. And they put down a giant pair of like wrestling tights, or, you know, like the trunks. And yeah. they have him get naked and stand in the middle of these giant trunks. So that when he transforms, he'll have pants to put on. Right. So they uh, thought this through. So the world marvels at Kota Ibushi's gigantic cock for a <laughs> the while. The world. And then he has a fight with a kaiju, which is just a guy in a plastic suit. And he is shoot kicking the fuck out of this guy. <laughs> like they really, they put Kota Ibushi in this and like kick his goddamn head off. He kicks this thing in the head so hard. I have to imagine the actor in that suit had a concussion. <laughs> And then he starts doing actual wrestling moves. So they have him power bombing him. They have him climb on top of a building and do the double knees that he did. (laughs) That he does. That's about as far as I got in this movie. But when he gets small again, he is still Kota Ibushi. Was it funny or was it just weird? Both. (laughs) Both. Because there's parts where I can't, like, I can tell it's meant to be a comedy, but I can't tell if all the jokes are landing in the way they're intended to 
That might make it funnier though. But uh, I didn't. I'm gonna keep going on it. I'll talk about the. the I'll, I'll to let you know what how it ends. But I'm having a feeling that the old scientist probably gives himself a little of the serum and ends up turning into Minoru Suzuki. That's what so I'm. So there guessing. will be. There's gonna be a follow up to this story on next week's episode. But uh, so far, do I recommend this? I don't know. I guess like this is one of those movies that it's like, hey, smoke if you got them. That might make it better. <laughs> uh, I had them. Did it make the movie better? <laughs> I don't know. I feel weird that I interrupted this, whatever you want to call it you were watching. I interrupted your your, your fun time with, with, with sad news. And it's sad news that everyone listening to this is probably aware of now. Um, yeah, you interrupted c- a lot of like boner jokes and farts. There are so many farts in this movie. So this is where my head is at. Well, I, I feel me. like I felt like you needed to know. It seemed like we, we have a wrestling podcast. I, I need to let you know when stuff like this happens. Everyone knows by now the news. Um, Roman Reigns, I guess, has been dealing with leukemia for over a decade off and on. And it's back. And on Raw this week, he had to relinquish the Universal title. And he's going to be away for a while while he tries to fight leukemia and be with his family. It's such a bummer note to end this episode on, but I, I think you and I are both on the same page and just kind of wishing Roman Reigns the best. Even if we're not huge Roman Reigns fans, that doesn't have anything to do with this. Um, not a Roman yeah, like Reigns I said, I not a fan. Like I used to be a huge Roman Reigns, Mark. Like when he was when the Shield was a thing at the beginning, and you know they he wasn't like the guy. I uh, I enjoyed the shit out of him. I thought he was cool as hell. Um, got to go watch him headline the last four WrestleManias. So uh, I was definitely there for some prime Roman Reigns times. It just sucks. And it's, and it caught so many people off guard. There was, there was no warning that this was coming in. Like, like you open raw with that. It definitely hung in the air the rest of the show. So I guess we should just send out like, what his name's Joe. <laughs> I guess we can call him Joe. Wish you well, Joe predetermined to pro wrestling podcast wants the best for you. We hope you get well soon. God, that sucks. But, I know I saw some people complaining about this on Twitter. I don't think you can complain about this. What happened at the end of Raw? Oh, Dean Ambrose turned on Seth Rollins. He's a heel monster reaction. See, I think, I that's, think that's the best time to do it. Like, if I you're completely have, agree. If you're going to have this horrible situation, you have a chance to finally work these people and like make them feel something. Because I think they won the belts. Everybody's expecting to have this, you know, happy celebration because yeah, they lost a brother. Uh, to the not, you know, I mean, that sounds worse than it is. But like, you know, he he's gone for the time being, and you think we're just gonna get this happy celebration? Dean Ambrose kicks him right in the dick, dirty deeds him, and uh, it ends with Seth Rollins crying again. It was a brilliant way to end the show, and great heel turn. I think Ambrose is going to be an amazing heel. There were some people who were, like you said, upset on social media, thinking that it was the wrong timing. I completely disagree. I'm with you. Great time to turn a guy heel. He's going to have monster heat. Did you see the footage that uh, Queen of the Ring posted of Ambrose when he left? He left through the crowd and went up like onto like the concourse, and everyone was like t- asking him why and booing. And yeah, I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was pretty rad. I, you know, I. They're making the best out of a bad situation. And I think in pro wrestling, this is maybe one of the only places that after something bad happens like this, you can kind of use it in story. You make, you make lemonade, right? You gotta. 
you gotta um i mean this is a this is a rough situation that i'm sure throws everything off so it's going to be interesting to see where everything kind of goes after this garrett thanks for letting me kind of be the host of this halloween edition of predetermined to pro wrestling hangout it's been fun garrett let everyone know uh where how they can reach us on social media we're at Wrestle Hangout on Twitter. We're at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram. We're at Wrestle Hangout on Facebook. Be sure to hop on iTunes. Give us those five stars. Rate, review, subscribe. Write a nice review, and we will watch whatever you want. I mean, if you recommend us matches, we can watch those if we want. But if you write me a review, we have to. It's a contractual obligation. We will watch whatever you want us to watch wrestling-wise. <laughs> and uh, Chris Dash Law just left us one on on the iTunes. So, Chris, let us know who you are. I, I think it could be one of the Curtain Jerks or a fan of the Curtain Jerks because they were mentioned inside of that. I don't yeah. care who did it. Let us know what you want, buddy. We got you. This has been a lot of fun, man. Thanks again. And uh, if I if I haven't made it clear enough for anyone... I'm a big Halloween guy, so I'll say it again. Happy Halloween, everyone. Garrett, you know what comes next. Happy anniversary to me. That's true. Happy one-year anniversary between you and your wife, Leah. Mwah, mwah. And hit our goddamn music. <laughs>